because time is but an illusion in this coronavirus world and many of us well we can kind of just do that now so without further ado thanks to everyone who has subscribed and if you haven't subscribed yet maybe you should maybe you shouldn't I don't know listen to the video and then make your decision and if you're curious in any of the articles I'm talking about there's a link or links down in the description that you can use to find those articles if you want to do a bit more of your own research, which I highly, highly recommend that you do. But hey, let's hop into things. First things up, Chainlink, talking about it. As we all know, Chainlink has had a rough couple of months since its dive from its all-time high of $20. But there's a hint of a, a bullish divergence. So between the daily active addresses and its price, the current situation is similar to early September when Link bounced around from $10 to $13. It's currently trading at around $8.80, previous all-time high that it seems to now be using as support. It's been pretty much a free fall since August the 16th when it was last at that $20 mark. According to the team at Santiment, Chainlink's daily active addresses charted against the price is indicating this bullish divergence that could lead to a relief bounce for Link, or if you're talking to Zeus Capital, a dead cat bounce, I wholeheartedly disagree. Link is going to be around for a long time to come. Uh, the team at Santiment shared their analysis via Twitter and further indicated that the last time there was such a bullish divergence like this was in early September between the 4th and the 6th. During this time period, Chainlink experienced a bounce from 1061 to 1291 in a day. Now, will it be able to maintain that? I'm not sure because it was not able to maintain that early this month as we're now talking about how it's at the $8.80 level. So, eh. uh, macro-wise, when you're looking at a weekly view chart, Chainlink is still very much in a downtrend. I mean, when you have an upswing like that, there's gonna be some retracement. I can definitely see it continuing to happen a little bit for Link, but I, I feel like $8.80 is honestly a pretty good price point for it right now and I think we can get back up to that $10 range now for those of you who don't know Zeus Capital has been hammering link with a lot of different derogatory articles some folks over at Nexo got drug into it as well I don't know if anything resulted from that it wasn't Nexo the entity but some workers who were working there I think they were trying to short it to get some money before its listing on the platform went live, but that's a whole other thing. But with Chainlink clearly in its bearish territory, the team over at Zeus Capital has continued its crusade of encouraging traders to short it. In a recent tweet, the team at Zeus called for a $4 Chainlink. Uh, they were saying, ooh, Link being shorted again and again and again. If you're still long in Link, you might want to reconsider your strategy so you don't end up broke. $4 is coming. Like, they really really don't like Chainlink. Personally, I think they're just haters. Haters going to hate and they're probably shorting it like mad so they can make a lot of money. When they stop publishing those articles, I think that's when their shorts stop and their longs begin. That's when uh, 
we'll probably start seeing more positive things coming up for Chainlink on how it's doing well as Zeus Capital and the monkeys within try to uh, make money on Chainlink that way. That's just my personal opinion. I really do like Chainlink. I do not own any. I will disclose that. But it's a pretty good, pretty solid, and well-used blockchain and Oracle service that I think is going to be around for many years to come. I wish I had bought into it much, much sooner, like years ago, as opposed to looking at it now and being like, well, should I try to catch the falling knife? I don't got a lot of money. kind of need to save. All that fun stuff. But hey, let's hop on over, talk about uh, just a little announcement for Avalanche hitting it. So Avalanche, which is a blockchain offering scalability to the world of decentralized finance, took its mainnet alive on September the 21st, so not too terribly long ago. Uh, Ava Labs, the developer, was quoted as saying, From Snowflake to Avalanche, the decentralized platform has come a long way, and its journey has only just begun. Uh, Ava Labs is the entity responsible for building this. Uh, with the help of Cornell, Professor Amin Gunsir, he's ranked 52nd on Cointelegraph's list of the top 100 people in crypto and blockchain, and he's Ava Labs CEO. He's been a pretty influential person. Um, this is his own like pet project, it seems. He's got a lot of uh, clout behind him. I would look him up. Um, follow him on Twitter. He's got some interesting takes. Talks with some of the big boys. So I'm really interested to see where Avalanche goes. Uh, it's running its own consensus protocol, which is paving the way, quote unquote, for the blockchain to facilitate 4,500 transactions per second, which is head over heels above what a lot of other coins can do. Uh, current blockchain networks can do far, far less. So slower transaction times, higher fees. Uh, just look at Ethereum. DeFi has put a huge strain on it, and Ava Labs is offering an alternative. Uh, Avalanche is positioning itself as a beneficial solution for all, from big companies to individuals and developers. The statement listed specific use cases for enterprises, institutions, decentralized organizations, developers, and token participants. Uh, Sarah has been quite public on his comments against deception and the noise in the crypto blockchain space. He really does not like all the smoke and mirrors that a lot of projects are using. Uh, he's a pretty vocal guy, and he's got some pretty interesting takes. So like I said before, highly recommend you at least follow him on Twitter. He's a good guy to be aware of, even if you end up not investing in Avalanche or not liking the blockchain. That's perfectly fine. Just as I would say, if you, whether you like Ethereum or not, or Cardano or not, you should probably follow Vitalik Buterin, and you could, should probably follow Charles Hoskinson, because whether you like them or not, they are some of the leading names in the crypto field. They're going to be popping up, so you might as well know them, know what makes them tick, know what their opinions are, if only so that way you can clearly articulate why you hate them. But hey, let's hop on over here. So Coinbase, uh, their Rosetta project is adding some Bitcoin support. So for those of you who don't know, Rosetta is an open source project led by Coinbase with the goal to standardize code so developers can easily create blockchain applications on different chains. Adding Bitcoin support is pretty nice. Uh, it's being supported by projects like Filocoin, Celo, Blockstack. I think Polkadot is associated with Rosetta tangentially. Like, I don't think they're a firm partner, but 
polka dots trying to do similar things, so I think they are playing nicely with each other. So the idea behind this is this. Because each blockchain is written differently, developers face challenges when creating products that are meant to work on multiple different chains. Rosetta represents an ongoing attempt to standardize the format for what are currently idiosyncratic processes, so basically trying to make things a bit more homogenous. Uh, according to Coinbase, over 20 blockchain products are implementing Rosetta, not currently Bitcoin, however, but they are creating Rosetta Bitcoin. Um, it's going to provide access to a lot of features like querying account balances, constructing transactions uh, without importing your private keys onto the node, and a bunch of other things. Uh, running some sort of business on Bitcoin has historically involved running an indexer and a custom wallet to create and sign transactions with offline keys. Uh, Rosetta Bitcoin makes this easy for any developer to do. So basically they're touting this as a nice way for anyone out there with a blockchain project and things like that to integrate with the big boy. I'm surprised it didn't launch with this support, quite honestly. I think this is key. I'm going to be huge. Once again, Coinbase coming at us with the type of project that I feel like you don't know the crypto space needs until it has it. Um, you know, they provided one of the first truly easy fiat on-ramps to buy Bitcoin. Um, even today, I use it to get to purchase coins, even though I end up transferring them almost immediately to other exchanges and files and wallets and things like that coinbase is still the easiest fiat on-ramp i personally know of to use also i know there's others out there but i'm established i've already done my kyc stuff for them and it's worked for me for over half a decade at this point so why break it when it's working perfectly fine for me so i really like this rosetta project i don't like coinbase and everything they've done but having it be open sourced is nice so it can be audited and having all these different blockchains on it that can use it is great. So I really, really do think it's a good long-term play for them. But all right, that's enough harping on Coinbase actually doing something productive. Let's hop on over and talk about DeFi. So yeah, talking about some DeFi. Uh, there's a couple people out there what does DeFi look like compared to ICO back in 2017? So obviously, as you guys know, the crypto industry has boasted tremendous growth over the past year, largely thanks to DeFi. Uh, some believe that the DeFi sector resembles the initial coin offering or ICO bubble of 2017. Others disagree. Um, I would want to bridge the gap between these two parties. Quite honestly, they share a lot of similarities. The quick growth, the fast money, the uncertainty of what it will mean for the future but they are different in key ways that will determine the long-term prospects as we all know ICOs fell off largely due to regulatory scrutiny so DeFi has expanded extraordinarily fast in 2020 projects named after foods have flown upward in price before subsequently plummeting back down to earth uh, urine finance is an example not of a food one but of something insane going from less than 1,000 all the way up to 40,000 inside of a two-month span. Oh, man, just think there's someone out there who got in at $1,000, bought 10 of them, and is now just, whoo, so happy. Anyways, ICOs did indeed garner exuberant support and speculation back in 2017, 
uh, which is why we're talking about the similarities with the quick growth. Uh, many projects back then sold speculative tokens in crowd sale type settings, accumulating millions of dollars in investments within minutes. Again, not crazily unlike DeFi, only key difference is you're investing with tokens you already own rather than purchasing new ones from a potentially uh, risky company. Uh, many times these projects were based on little or no actual product or use case, whereas DeFi, regardless of the project, at least the idea behind it is decentralized finance, making money that way. Uh, Cameron Winklevoss actually commented on this saying, back then, money was raised on SH blah blah coin, white papers written in coffee shops, DeFi is already live and working in the wild, billions of dollars are at work earning positive yield. This isn't hypothetical vaporware, this is real. I mean, there have been some notable flops. Yam Finance is one. Um, there was like some DYBD52X something yield farming token that was exit scammed within a few hours. But by and large, most of these projects like Ave, Yearn, Curve, Sun, <laughs> well, pretty much most of the DeFi projects that I've heard of that have gotten to the level um, that are being written about and talked about are legit things that people are putting money into and making money from. So I can't really say too much bad about them. I think where ICOs and DeFi differ is in the regula regulatory aspects of it. ICOs, there's a central figure, there's a central authority that the SEC could go after for what they considered unlicensed security offerings. With DeFi, it's kind of harder to pin a specific person or an entity down. Plus the use, long-term use cases, again, are very different. I do think DeFi is going to be around much longer than the ICO was. In what form though, uh, I'm not sure. ICO coins have been tumbling the past few days, but what hasn't? Stock market is down, particularly tech stocks, and it's just, it's hurting everything. So I could see this becoming a mid to long-term downward spiral unfortunately i could see our current bull run coming to a close not because of anything wrong in the crypto space itself but just the state of the world but what that means is with strong fundamentals even if there's a downturn we will be back on top before too long but hey let's hop on over little update on uh craig wright so a federal court denied a motion for a summary judgment for him and he's gonna have to face a full trial dismisses evidence involving the defendant's ex-wife with a wright Kleiman partnership. So, this is a case versus Craig Wright and Ila, Ira Kleiman, uh, the brother of, I believe his name was David, Craig Wright's supposed partner in developing Bitcoin. Uh, it does not point to a positive scenario, this development, for the self-proclaimed inventor of Bitcoin, Craig Wright, the man, the myth, the crappy legend himself. Since the beginning of the legal process, Wright's representation has attempted to delay its development by introducing motions and petitions to prolong the initial phase. Uh, Judge Loon's decision, as reported by attorney Stephen D. Paley, is nearly 100 pages long, so she wrote that up. Uh, in her decision, Loon states the evidence presented to the court could cause a jury to conclude that the defendant enacted a scheme against the plaintiffs and abused confidential or fiduciary relationship. Dang. 
Uh, Pally did note that a defendant can quote-unquote escape from a lawsuit in the United States by asking for a summary judgment. Basically what they're saying at that point is, hey, can you just judge in my favor? Because the evidence against me is kind of, mm, and I'm just going to win a trial anyways. However, court didn't find merit in the evidence presented. So, Polly, quote, It seems like the court rejects pretty much everything Wright argues out of frigging hand. No evidence that Mrs. Wright was part of WNK. The court completely and utterly rejected this argument. The evidence was not credible, and the argument went nowhere. Ouch. So this motion was being denied. It was filed back in May of this year, and it was intended to prevent a full trial based on Kleiman's allegations. In early September, the court ruled that the parties must review key points of the trial between December 15th and December the 21st. Then on January 4th of 2021, yeah, that's how long this crap's been dragging out, the full trial against Wright will begin to determine especially his involvement with the whereabouts of the alleged keys of the Tulip Trust. For those of you who don't know, the Tulip Trust should hold $10 billion worth of Bitcoin. That's what Wright is saying he has, the keys to the Tulip Trust. Woo! He's threatened to release it, the, the funds in the Tulip Trust and start to sell it off before, which has tanked Bitcoin's price in the past. But more and more, I'm starting to think that this Tulip Trust, uh, the keys might just be gone. And Wright is trying to get us to prove a negative. So, yeah, I don't particularly care much for Craig Wright. I do not think he's Satoshi. I think he might have worked with Satoshi early on, and he knows who Satoshi was, or has a strong inclination of who he was, and the true, real Satoshi Nakamoto could, at this point in time, be very well dead, or at the very least is in a place where Craig knows he's not going to be coming out of he feels confident enough in doing these things. Yeah. Ugh. God. Ugh. I dislike talking about him. Anyways, let's, uh, before I wrap things up, I got a little feel-good story for you today. So, out of Turkey, uh, some unexpected winners from Uniswap's giveaway. So, students enrolled in the class of Introduction to Cryptocurrencies at Turkey, Kadir Has University, were the unexpected winners of Uniswap's token distribution on September the 17th. Ismail Haki Polat, one of the two lecturers of the class, told Cointelegraph Turkey that all students, who was part of the class project, participated in the listing and swapping of a token on Uniswap, received the 400 Muni. So basically, they were just doing this fun little project to like actually learn how Uniswap works and cryptocurrency swaps happen and all that stuff, and they ended up getting 400 Muni. In Turkey's local currency, this is valued at roughly 12,000 liras, or about 1,570 bucks, which is amounts to nearly half of the yearly education fee for some students. So basically, they got a semester for free by taking this class. Good for them! Uh, introduction to cryptocurrencies has, for the last two years, been included as a compulsory or mandatory course for students studying new media at Kadir Haas. Uh, so, pretty interesting. Uh, this article actually goes on for quite some time. I'm not going to get into it. Basically, it talks about all the different, you know, ways that cryptocurrencies, introduction to cryptocurrencies and crypto 101, you know, teaches them different things. I believe they set up like MetaMasks, uh, 
with Uniswap and they learn how to like trade swap tokens and like the basics of smart contracts and all this fun stuff. It really is a good class and one that I wish they had had back when I was in university. Though I was in university in like 2010, so Bitcoin was a little young at that point, so it wouldn't exist. But I would be interested to take a class like that today. I think it's going to be really good for the long term and helping get people's knowledge about cryptocurrencies up, especially if, depending on your major, it's a mandatory class. I hope more and more colleges start instituting that. I think it'd be really cool. But yeah, there's your little feel-good thing. Some random people in Turkey got a semester free because they did that. So uh, let's round things off. Take a look at the top 10 coins by market cap. Uh, right now, things are pretty stable out of the top 10. Looks like the biggest winner is Bitcoin Cash back at number five, up two and a half percent. The biggest loser is actually Chainlink, but it's only down 1.6 percent, sitting at eight dollars and seventy-one cents. Not bad overall. Hopefully, the prices are still stable by the time you're watching this. Being said, thank you again to everyone who has subscribed, and if you've made it this far and you haven't subscribed, well, you might as well. Uh, that way, you can hear me talk about things like this a little bit more often. I do appreciate everyone. Whether you subscribe or not, whether you like the video if you're finding it on YouTube or not, or whether you follow me if you're finding me on different podcast platforms or things like that, I just I just want to say thank you because I really, really do appreciate it. I really enjoy making these things, uh, and I hope to continue to do so, and your support helps me feel like I can. So, top winner, oh, OMG, Omnivisgo, number 38 by market cap is up at 1.95%, so that's a pretty good day after the crappy week we have had. Uh, biggest loser is Avalanche. Oh, Ava X, we just talked about that, down 51.34%. Um, considering it literally just went live, that doesn't surprise me. Everyone who bought it in the token sale is now selling it and getting their gains just is what it is uh, it's a bit rough once it's listed on a few more exchanges i've been following avalanche for quite some time i do really really like the project i wish i had some money to throw at it i really do but unfortunately i don't so with that being said this is crypto top 10 my name is john and i'll be talking to you guys soon peace out girl scouts <laughs>